0: Yes, good morning to Tradies News in a nutshell. I'm your host, Charles Goodsir, and a very warm welcome on this Friday, the 27th of October, wherever you're listening, in New South Wales, SENQ in Queensland, or SEN 1629 AM on the Gold Coast, or if you're listening via the SEN app, a very warm welcome to you. Just a reminder that you can get in touch with the show at any point throughout the morning. We've got a lot to cover, including Eddie Jones, The Cricket World Cup overnight, England, a big defeat against Sri Lanka. We'll get into all of that. John Gallo will join us at around 5.30 to chat everything football. A lot of EPL results. The Matildas played last night as well. And then finally, we'll preview the NFL for today. Thursday night football, or as we affectionately know it in Australia. I guess sort of Friday, late morning football. So just a reminder, you can call the show anytime 1300 01 1170 or text through 0457. 736 736. We do the show. Thank you to Red Smoke Alarms. I think redsmokealarms.com.au and think 10-year warranty. I think Australian-owned. I think redsmokealarms.com.au. Also for MS Safety, your Australian-owned workwear and PPE provider. Well, it's now on to the big story of the day. The Hot Topic. Thanks to Ream. Built tough for Aussie conditions. When it comes to water heating, ask your plumber to install a ream. Yes, accept nothing less than Australia's best and install a ream, Australia's favourite hot water. And we have to start with Eddie Jones, a massive bombshell breaking overnight. Coming from Jamie Pandaram from the Daily Telegraph, a veteran rugby journo as of now, and he writes the headline. Rugby World Cup clean-out. Eddie Jones set for bombshell Wallabies departure as key ally resigns. He goes on to write, Eddie Jones' tenure as Wallabies coach looks all but finished. The departures of a range of Wallabies staff, including the highly respected general manager Chris Webb, signal that the end is nigh for Jones. Jones is contracted until the end of 2027, but his future in Australia has been under intense scrutiny since he was linked to the coaching role of Japan during the World Cup. That was before the match, the must-win match against Wales, that we ended up losing 40-12. Jones has denied any contact with the, Japan, uh, with the Japan Rugby Football Union, although sources say he's in the frame for the role and could have a second interview next month. And Tommy Decent, the SMH reporter who initially broke that story, was on SNQ with Pat and Heels about a week ago and said just that. Talk increasingly emerging from those inside the Wallabies camps that Jones is done as coach. It's understood he has clauses in his contract that allow him an exit should Rugby Australia fail to secure private investment funding and a centralised model, and neither of those have been achieved yet. An exodus of Wallabies staff in recent days was part of a clean-out. That's a quote from a uh, Rugby Australia source following the failed World Cup campaign in France, in which Australia was eliminated from the pool stages for the very first time. Most of the staff are on the contract to the end of the World Cup anyway, but given many of them were brought in by Jones, the move not to renew their contract shows a line in the sand is being drawn. So Eddie Jones was at a press conference uh, just last week, uh, in which I actually attended at Coogee Oval. It was a rainy, wet Coogee Oval. There was about 20, 30 journos there. It was one of the most intense media packs I've ever been privy to. And the question straight away was asked about his future, and he said, I'm staying, I'm staying. He wouldn't go into how long that would be. He wouldn't go into any specific details, but he just said, I'm staying. He also mentioned that there was a Rugby Australia review, uh, and that was looking at preparation for the World Cup, whether or not they'll, they'd be competitive in the long term, and that's what Pandaram is signalling, that the review suggests that a lot of the, the people that he's hired along the way, including uh, GM Chris Webb, are gone, they're out. And considering their key allies are sort of t- stripping away I guess the, the structures in place that Eddie Jones wanted and he's sort of seeing that as a bit of a a bit of indication that he's probably not wanted this was Jamie Pandaram last night on Sports Day uh, right here on SCN have a listen
1: additional staff uh, the team manager um, are all going they are all departed um, some of them were only contracted through till the World Cup um, some of them through to the end of the year but they're all gone And uh, the fact that they weren't re-signed following that disastrous campaign in France is one thing, uh, but also uh, when we read between the lines and the close relationship he had with the team manager and the circumstances around that, um, we understand that Eddie is
2: on tenuous ground.
1: Whether he resigns or he is forced out, um, it
2: remains to be seen, but... I would be very surprised to see Eddie Jones still as Wallaby's coach by the end of the year.
0: There you have it. That's Jamie Pandaram last night on Sports Day with Sats and the Rat. Interesting comments there. He, he, he said, look, it's not really a case of uh, him quitting on the team or, or being forced out by the High Arts Rugby Australia. It, it, it's either or really, but it just seems that he's, it's one of those two decisions and he's basically one foot out the door already. Now, this is quite disappointing for uh, the Wallabies and Rugby Australia as a whole. It was an embarrassing World Cup. Um, There's no really other way to put it. Losing to Fiji for the first time in 69 years, losing to Wales in the manner that they did in a must-win game, and then they beat Portugal like we all knew they would, and even though Portugal had to beat Fiji by, I believe it was at least eight points, Portugal did get the win only by the one, but I think even if they'd beat them by then, looking at the the quarterfinals and the quality of the quarterfinals that was there, we would have really just been making up the numbers. So it's sort of back to square one for the Wallabies at the moment. And they, earlier this year, they they sacked Dave Rennie as soon as Eddie Jones became available, who was sacked by England. And they signed him to a long-term deal. They signed him until 2027. They wanted the This World Cup in mind, and he's sort of gone on the record, he picked a youthful World Cup and said that we probably weren't at the level yet, just picking youth, looking ahead to the future, sort of building the foundation there uh, to get us started for the future. And then the next one was the British and Irish Lions Tour in 2025, that was sort of the first big test for Eddie Jones. And then of course the home World Cup in 2027, where it is imperative that we be competitive, not only competitive, but... We really should be winning on our home shores. We, we made the final last time it was here in 2003. We lost against England to a beautiful Johnny Wilkinson field goal. But the point stands, we, we can't be as uncompetitive as we were in this World Cup on home shores. Otherwise, it really could be the nail in the coffin for rugby in this country. What do you think? What do you think about all of this? It's a lot to unpack. And it, it just puts... I guess, yeah, like I said, another nail in the coffin for the Wallabies and Rugby Australia. It's unfortunate, but he, he, he's got one foot out the door. When I was at that press conference at Coogee uh, about a week ago, I, I, I believed him. I'm a big Eddie Jones fan from from way back. I think he's he's got the numbers to, to back up sort of his unique and maybe perhaps unorthodox coaching style, but he... He, was, he stressed really importantly that he, he was going to be there for the long haul. He was going to stay. And now you're hearing about a week later that because a, a lot of his constituents, a lot of his allies are going, that he's going to follow them as well. What are your thoughts on the Eddie Jones saga? Give me a call 1300-01-1170 or text through 0457-736-736. Now moving on to the other big story, the cricket and England have suffered a massive eight-wicket defeat against Sri Lanka. It's the second time they've lost to Sri Lanka in the World Cup in consecutive, uh, I guess, installments of the World Cup. They lost in 2019. They didn't lose another game after that in 2019, but, gee, they're going to have to come a long way from here. They were all out for 156 in just 33.2 overs. Ben Stokes, the top run scorer there, You got 43 off 73 balls. Uh, Contributions from the openers, uh, Johnny Bairstow, David Milan, 30 and 28 respectively. But really, it it got to a good start. There were none for 45 until Angelo Matthews came into the attack, the 36-year-old veteran from Sri Lanka. He got David Milan out. It was one for 45 at that point, and then just a ton of wickets fell in a heap. Joe Root, 257. Johnny Bairstow, three for 68. Joss Butler, the captain, four for 77. Liam Livingston, five for 85. And then they sort of rebound a little bit with Moeen Ali coming in, but then he fell on 622. Chris Wokes shortly after, 7 for 123. Ben Stokes, 8 for 137. Adil Rashid, 9 for 147. And Mark Wood, all out 156. Schlanker, well, they got off to a bit of a rocky start. Kusul Pereira got out on... uh, He got out for 4. That was at 1 for 9. And then Kusul Mendes... Two for 23. David Willey getting both wickets inside six overs. And you thought, gee, England in here with a bit of a sniff. But unfortunately, it was not to be in the end. Sri Lanka cruising to an eight-wicket win uh, just in 25.4 overs. It leaves England in a really precarious position. They now sink even lower. They're one and four on the standings. They can still make the knockout stage, like the semi-final stage of this World Cup, but a lot is going to have to go their way. They now can no longer dictate their own terms. They have to win every game from here and have to hope for an upset here or two, which has happened in this World Cup. Afghanistan beat England. Uh, the Netherlands beat South Africa, who are flying at the moment. Things can happen for them to make it through, but, gee, it's going to be really tough from there. Here's England captain Joss Butler with Michael Atherton after the game, who, and he shared his thoughts.
2: just thanks for your time. Exactly three weeks since the tournament began and you walked out in Ahmedabad. How much do you wish you could turn back the clock to that point?
3: Yeah, yeah, a lot. Um, yeah, it's incredibly tough, incredibly uh, disappointing tournament, um, not just short of our best but a, a very long way so um, you know as captain you, you feel that a lot and i um, you know disappointed um for myself and all the boys that we've not showed a good account of ourselves
2: i suppose the obvious question is why really double world cup champions why have you not been able to show glimpses of that best form
3: yeah i think you know that's the question we've been trying to answer and i think um you know, there is no clear answer at the moment um you know if there was one golden nugget that we uh, we're obviously not doing and, and we try and pick that up, but um, you know, it can't be fault the guys' efforts. We're just playing a long way short of our best and it starts from the front and you know, as captain you want to lead from the front and play well and, and um, the guys tuck in behind you and I've been a long way short of my best and um, now i filtered through the rest.
2: Um, confidence is a very fragile thing in sport often. Have you felt that drain away as you've gone through the competition?
3: Um, not massively, to be honest. I, I think um, there's a lot of really experienced um, cricketers in the room, tough cricketers, who have been through a lot and are confident people, you know. You don't become a bad player overnight, you don't become a bad team overnight. And I think that's probably the biggest frustration is we've been so far short of, of the standards that we set ourselves um, and for no particular obvious reason. I know, that, you know you probably think, you know, there must be something, what is it? But I um, can't put my finger on it at the moment.
2: Um, made three changes before the last game and three changes before this game. Players sense uncertainty. Has there been too much uncertainty over strategy?
3: Uh, I think selection is, is, is uh, obviously it's something you want to be consistent with. Um, build that sort of um, trust and, and longevity. Um, but selection isn't our problem at the moment. Um, you know, the the performances. Um, as individuals and as a team. Uh, whoever's been on the field so far in this tournament's been been short of the standards we set ourselves.
2: Um, the, the first five overs didn't kind of suggest what was to come. Um, there was a, I wanted to talk about the run out of Adil Rashid, not to particularly point to Adil Rashid, but just it seems symptomatic of a team that's not quite been on it and not quite been sharp enough. Would you agree with that and if so, why?
3: Yeah, I think it's an obvious one to say that, not just to do. I think lots of the dismissals, uh, you know, another run out, uh, um, Joe Root's run out. You know, it's like something that you don't see, you know, those kind of mistakes um, that we're all making. You don't see that as, as often as you'd expect from us. And it has been known um, example of the, the way we've been playing. We've been making mistakes. All of us are not singling anyone out. Um, and we haven't been building partnerships, doing the basic things really well, um, but both with the bat and with the ball.
2: Um, I think it's out of your control now. You're not out of the competition, but it's out of your control. Is there anything to cling to, any hope to cling to?
3: I think the the biggest thing is um, personal pride and the the way we play as a team and the the standards we set ourselves, as I said. Um, We're not giving a good account of ourselves, um, the account that we want to. Uh, Whatever happens going forward in this tournament, um, the rest of the matches, we want to get back to playing some really good cricket and, and what it will be, will be.
0: We wish you well for the rest. Thanks for your time. Thank you. That was England captain there Jos Butler speaking of Michael Atherton after the game, just recapping an eight wicket defeat to Sri Lanka. It's been an interesting World Cup for the as um, the defending champions. They had a an amazing a Cinderella run really in in 2019. A lot didn't go their way at the start and then they bounced back and who can get that epic final uh, against New Zealand? They sort of came in with an attitude that they you know they're they're not the defending champs, you know it's just as open as, as anything and. I guess their mindset was just a bit odd leading into this tournament. Got spanked against New Zealand to start with and really just haven't looked at the same since. Um, it, it's some interesting comments there from Joss Butler that I'd like to to touch on about, look, you don't become a bad team overnight. You don't become a bad player overnight. Like, th- things are happening. And it, it, there's definitely just something something off with the team at the moment. Um, and, and none of that was more highlighted than a, a Rashid's uh, he, he was run out. And uh, I highly recommend you uh, look this one up uh, on on your way in this morning or if you're listening now. Uh, it, it, a wide was bold um, to, to David Willey and sort of everyone just sort of lost focus. And then Adurashir wasn't backing up. Uh, Kusul Mendes saw that, threw down to the non-strikes at the stumps and he was caught out by by quite a long way and it was a bit reminiscent of um of Johnny Bairstow's dismissal uh, at Lords. It just was a, a really dumb mistake, just not backing up, not really thinking. And I think it just speaks to the England mindset. And you heard Jos Butler speak there that he just wasn't, they're just not switched on at the moment. They're just not switched on at the moment. And it, it's going to cost them because they're one that They're at the bottom uh, of the standings, if you could believe the the mighty England team and, they're just sort of scratching their heads. You, you thought they could have been in it because whenever Ben Stokes at the crease, they're always a fighting chance, but yeah, it's, it's not great. It's not getting any easier for them. They next uh, travel to Lucknow for on the 29th of October and face India, the undefeated India at the moment who are, you talk about teams on opposite sides. I mean, you talk about England who are just out of funk, not in sync and India are just absolutely firing. Um, King Kohli is back to his blistering best. He's his back to his best run-chasing form. I think he averages 65 in, in one-day cricket run chases, which is unbelievable. Rohit Sharma is really le- leading this team well. Yeah, it's uh, tough times for the English at the moment. Coming up tonight, this game really int- uh, intrigues me. It's in uh, Chennai, Pakistan. Now, Pakistan, a, a bit of a plucky team. They haven't been at their best this World Cup either, but they, they can cause an upset or two. Uh, they're coming up against South Africa, who are, are, I think are the, the favourites for the tournament at the moment. I know India's undefeated, but I think if you look at who's going to win uh, the World Cup, it, it's going to they're going to have to face against India at one stage, and India is so good at their run chases. But who can put on 350-plus scores consistently and who has the firepower? It's South Africa. So, Yeah. That was the Cricket World Cup update. And that's all thanks to Makita XGT. Experience professional cordless power without limits. Now sports update for Makita. We're going to take a break here on Trading's News in a nutshell. Just a reminder, I'm Charles Goodseer. You can call it anytime, time one one 1170 or text 0457-736-736. A break and back with more. Yes, and welcome back to Tradies News in a Nutshell. I'm your host this morning, Charles Goodser, on your Friday, the 27th of October. Thank you very much for joining me, wherever you're listening in New South Wales, Queensland, the Gold Coast, or anywhere on the SEN app. Give us a call anytime to have your say at 1300 01 1170 or text through 0457 736 736. Just recame the top stories of this morning. Eddie Jones set to walk out as Wallaby's coach. Uh, England get thumped by Sri Lanka in the World Cup overnight. And now we're going to chat a little bit of uh, rugby league. Uh, rugby league season is still in effect. We've got the Pacific Championship on at the moment. We've got the last round of, uh, I guess, regular games until we get to the finals of the Pacific Cup and the Pacific Bowl. Now, currently, uh, so we've got Australia... Uh, the Kangaroos taking up, uh, going up against, rather, the Kiwis at Amy Park in Melbourne. Uh, that's uh, tomorrow night on Saturday. And then Sunday, we've got uh, PNG taking on Fiji. Now, the, I've really enjoyed the Pacific Championship. I think it's been a great sort of precursor to to end this series. It sort of a, extends the life of the rugby league season, gives you that, I guess, that, that little bit right towards the end, uh, the little taste in your mouth to sort of... Uh, you know, satisfying meal. It's the dessert on the main course that was the NRL season. But this is what I I don't really like, is that they've got a Pacific Cup and a Pacific Bowl. And Australia and New Zealand are already going to play in that final because Samoa played the first two games, lost both those two games. So depending on who wins this game, it really doesn't matter in the long run. They're still going to be playing the final in Hamilton the following week. And same case with PNG and Fiji, they're already locked in for the uh, for the Pacific Bowl, which is uh, next week, and that's being played out of Port Moresby. And because the Cook Islands lost their opening two games as well, they were the first two to play. Again, really doesn't matter who who wins this game; that they're, they're both going to be playing in the final the, the next week. Obviously, they're going to go out and win, but it's a bit disappointing that there wasn't. I guess a, a little bit more to play for uh, in in this game, but it look it it should be exciting nonetheless. The big story out of this game is uh, against the the Kangaroos and the Kiwis is that Valentine Holmes will return. Or will will return on the wing. He obviously had his uh, his discretions off off the field. We won't sh- go into too much, but he'll replace Selwyn Cobo on that wing. Dylan Edwards retains his spot. Ted uh, James Tedesco uh, also. Uh, as captain, those are the, the only changes there for the Australian lineup, whereas New Zealand are going in unchanged. And that was the team that smashed Samoa 50 to nothing. Australia, a little bit more unconvincing, 38 to 12. They, I think they, they had a crazy 15 20 minutes where they scored three or four tries and then it sort of evened out till then. There were a few mistakes in their game. We, we heard Harry Grant. Uh, on pan and heels are in the week. Say, look, they'll they'll need to play a lot better against the Kiwis if they're to win. Um, I'm I'm backing them uh to get to get the win, but it's going to be tough. Uh, yeah, these two teams always put it on. What do you think? Give me your predictions. I'll I'll give you a scoreline. I'm going to say it's going to be 22-12 in favor of the Kangaroos. And my player of the match. Look, I, I I really admire this guy a lot. I think Daly Cherry Evans. I think he he sort of um, knew that he'd be lucky to, to play for Australia again. With the, with the rise of Nathan Cleary, and with uh, Nathan Cleary's injury, uh, he's he's taken it with both hands, and he's he's just such a phenomenal player. And I don't think we appreciate him as much as we should. And I think we'll uh, learn that when he when he retires. But um, yeah, th- th- that's my prediction. What do you think? Let's give us a scoreline. I'm going 20 to 12 DCE to be player of the match. Give us here predictions. Oh, one three hundred. is the open line or text. Oh, four five seven seven three six seven three six. On to the other game, PNG versus Fiji. Well, Fiji got pretty lucky last week against Cook Islands. Uh twenty two to eighteen. This is a cracker of a game. It was really back and forth, which I really appreciate. After Cook Islands were, uh, I guess, shown up uh, the week before, it was good to see them bounce back. They they took the lead with about nine minutes to go, thanks to Isaiah Cooper-Tedavano. But sinead taruva it's that Panthers connection again. Uh, the Panthers just seemed to do it in all facets of the game. He scores in the 74th minute. They go up 22-18, and that was the final score. So, unfortunately, cook Islands just not able to hold onto the lead. So, they've been knocked out. But uh, P&G... Uh, now face off against Fiji, and it's a pretty strong team. We have got Alex Johnston at fullback, Zach Laybutt, who's who's really impressed uh, early in his rugby league career. He's at centre. Got Lachlan Lamb uh, at halfback, uh, who's had a sensational year in the in the Super League, and then Jack DeBellin at lock. Fiji, it look they're not without their stars. They've got Jerome Bueller, Mike Sivo, Sunia Taruva, Wanga Blake, Michaela Ravalawa. That's just their They're 1-5. Brandon Wakeham at 7 is a more than serviceable halfback. Tui Kamikamika uh, at prop. He skippers the side. And Tane Milne as well uh, in the second row. So they've got genuine NRL talent there. I'm going to tip the upset here. I'm going to go Fiji get it done. I'm going to say they get it done 22-20 over PNG. But, of course, the real test will be the following week. Both these teams, as I mentioned, will play together uh, we'll play each other, rather, in the final regardless. But who doesn't love a good early hit-out? We're going to take a break here on Tradies News in a nutshell. When we return, we're going to speak with John Gallagher. We're going to talk all things football. The Matildas, they played last night. We're going to chat a bit of the UEFA Champions League action uh, from Wednesday and Thursday uh, morning. And then, of course, uh, we'll preview the the EPL, the English Premier League. Gonna take a break here on on tradies. You're listening to SEN. Yes. Good morning. Welcome back to Tradies News in a nutshell. I'm your host Charles Goodsir for today, the Friday, the 27th of October. We're going to chat all things English, uh, not English Premier League. Well, English Premier League. We have the Champions League. Matildas. We'll cover all things football with this man, John Gallo. And John, I'm happy to say, joins us on the line. John, how are you, mate? How are Good, mate. How are we? Very, very well. Thank you for joining me early uh, again this morning. Um, uh, very early indeed. But as football fans, we know that, you know, time is just a, just a construct, you know. It, it doesn't really exist. You wake up at all. Absolutely, of, mate. Especially when you live on, on the other side of the world. Um, <laughs> but, let, but let's focus first on our side of the world in Australia, the Matildas. They returned to our shores uh, last night, playing for the first time since their amazing World Cup campaign. Uh, they played Iran last night, two nil. Uh, it was a pretty good game from all reports.
1: Yeah, started the Olympic qualifiers, and uh, yeah, I think it was a fantastic game from the Matildas. They really, at times, a bit of a training game. With all respect to Iran, there wasn't a whole lot of attack that the Australian defence had to be overly concerned about. But they dominated the ball, they dominated possession, created a host of chances. Realistically, could have been probably five or six nil had. You know, um, Australia came on with the shooting boots, but 2-0 with three points to start the group campaign is a fantastic result for the Matildas, nonetheless. And really good to see the, uh, the Perth crowd out there, NIB Stadium, uh, out in force. Great number, great turnout, and to see that momentum from the uh, Women's World Cup recently is, is great for the game of football. So, yeah, well done to the Matildas. They now fly out to face the Philippines Sunday night, Australian Eastern time. Uh, so, yeah, it's a short turnaround for the Matildas, but... Um, they'll be in their favourites against the Philippines before they face uh, Taiwan in the Olympic qualifier group. So it's been a, a difficult run of games. They're now going to push their, their physicality to the limit lot of these girls playing from overseas competitions. So it's going to be a quick turnaround for them. But uh, they're in good stead with a good result last night, two 0
0: Yeah, um, you're definitely right. And with um, and 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 just with uh, the crowds uh, you mentioned, it was, it was a good um, a good crowd there last night in Perth. Uh, I think they're, they're sellouts uh, for all the all the home uh, games coming up. Isn't that correct?
1: Yeah. So, well, the next game in the Philippines is over in the Philippines. So, they'll be boarding a flight sometime this morning, I would imagine, to get over there for the Sunday night game. So, it is a very quick turnaround for the Matildas. The Taiwan game, I believe, is back in Australia. Um, so, that could hopefully see a sellout for the Taiwan game, which would be fantastic. Uh, and again, you know, going on about that momentum for the Matildas generated so that's a fantastic thing. The, the interesting thing out of this as well is uh, Tony Gustavsson, the, the Matilda's coach, has come out and demanded more investment in the Australian women's game. He's, he's got one year left on his contract. Uh, 2024 is the next Women's World Cup in Paris. And he said if he wants to be there, he wants to see more investment from the Australian government uh, for women's game going forward. So he reiterated that in the press conference after the game last night against Iran. So hopefully for Gustavus' sake, that is the case. And hopefully for women's football in Australia, we see a bit more government investment poured into the game as well.
0: Yeah, uh, definitely. I think everyone was on the same page during this World Cup, which just really just captured the nation. Like no other tournament uh, I can recall, in, at least in my lifetime. Um, it's just really important we, we capture that momentum and uh, keep building and become a, a really strong football nation as a result. Uh, let's switch gears to the Champions League. Um we, uh, we had our, our next round of, uh, our third round of games on Wednesday and Thursday. Just going to focus on uh, the English teams for, for the meantime. So you've got Manchester United sitting in third in Group A. You've got Arsenal topping their group at the moment in Group B. Uh, and then you have going down Newcastle, my Newcastle United in third in Group F. And then Man City, of course, leading the way undefeated at the moment in Group G. Out of those teams, which one do you think are the ones to go through and maybe likely to contend uh, for the Champions League? I definitely think Arsenal and Man City, mate. You look at Arsenal in Group B, they're, they're top on six points
1: with two wins and one loss. I think that surprise loss in the first opening campaign against Lens uh, really put Arsenal into gear. They since went on to beat PSV, come to be now Seville, as of a couple of days ago, 2-1 in a difficult game. But I think because of that... I think Arsenal are really primed to to go through to the knockout stage. Man City, they're three games from three. They've been nine points, sitting comfortably on top of the group game. As expected in their group, I think they'll obviously go through and into the second round, the the champions, the reigning champions of last year's Champions League, go into the knockout stage and and do a really good job of it there. I think in terms of Man United, that's the really interesting factor. I mean, they're they're third in the group A. Bayern and Galatasaray are, are leading the way. Uh, Bayern on nine points, and then Galatasaray on four. Man United sitting in on three. Man United's next game is against Copenhagen, the Danish team. So you do expect maybe Man United to get all three points, but then they face Galatasaray over in Galatasaray in Turkey, which is one of the more difficult away games for many Champions League teams over the years. So you can't hedge your bets on that going into Man United's favour. And then of course Man United see out their their second round of fixtures against Bayern Munich over in uh, in Munich as well. So. It's really difficult for Man United at the moment. The backs are against the wall in the Premier League. Uh, Ten Hag's got a lot of pressure on him there. And I think if uh, Man United weren't to go through the second round of knockout games, I think that would be seen as a big failure for Man United as well as Ten Hag. But your teammate, Newcastle United, the mighty you Nova know, Castrians over in the north side of, of England. Look, they're in a really difficult spot, aren't they? Really in a really the death of group. I think in terms of what's been termed group S with PSG, Newcastle, Dortmund, and then AC Milan. AC Milan, the Italian champions, are at the bottom of the table, only on two points. Borussia Dortmund in third on four equal with Newcastle on four points. The only difference between Newcastle and Dortmund is obviously the goal difference, which favours Newcastle decision on second spot and then PSG topping the group in six points. So look, I think you, look, I think PSG and Newcastle to go through. Newcastle have got to really, hopefully in the second round, pick things up, hopefully against Milan Dortmund. Uh, they'll be difficult games, but if Newcastle can walk out with all six points uh, going into PSG, I think that'll be a big one for Newcastle. So hopefully for Newcastle sake they can push through the second round of the knockout tournament.
0: Yeah, that, that's what I like to hear. Um, I think every Newcastle fan, uh, when we saw the teams we're up against, sort of just said, oh, are you serious? Like, we waited so long to, to get here, and now we have to face some really strong teams, some some of the best teams in Europe over the, over the last few years. But I think also on the same token, how good? We've got blockbuster games every single time we play where we're playing uh, you know, one of the biggest teams in Italy, uh, one of the biggest teams in Germany and the biggest team in, in France and one of the biggest Absolutely. teams in Europe in general. So it's, uh, it, it's such a great opportunity for a lot of these, uh, for a lot of these Newcastle players. Uh, so let's now switch gears to the EPL. Um, we've got an, an, another cracking uh, match day coming up. I want to start with Crystal Palace and Tottenham. Of course, Tottenham, we're on the edge bus here at SCM. We've got every game uh, of Tottenham live. Um, uh, on the app uh, wherever you're listening but the ange ball has just taken such a it's taken the epl by storm hasn't it absolutely mate the last
1: 24 hours in particular and this whole week has really been all nothing but short of the ange ball in terms of now people you know not maybe spurs fans are probably the the biggest uh, you know echoers of this but they're now talking about potentially can spurs go all the way and, uh, and be title contenders this season i think a lot of people prior to this were a little bit nervy in mentioning that because they didn't want to jinx Tottenham going forward this season. But I think after the result on the weekend against Fulham 2-0 and how comfortable they were in their performance, they were in total domination Uh, Tottenham and didn't really even get out of second gear. That's the scary thing. Um, I think a lot of people have got them touted as possible. Title contenders, I think it comes down to how they spend their money in January and getting some new recruits because obviously if Son or Richarlson goes down injured or Hoiberg in that midfield that you probably start to worry a little bit about their depths going forward this, this second part of the season. But so far, it's been nothing but smooth sailing for Ange. And If anyone can get them out of a tricky situation, it is Ange, the way they're playing and the philosophy and their old ideals of football. There's something there to sit on and something for to, to Tottenham fans to be really excited about. It's really good attacking football. And against Palace, Palace, it will be difficult because Crystal Palace obviously have had a decent start to the season themselves. They're up in 11th spot. Now they've only had two losses in the last five games, whereas obviously Spurs have been undefeated in their last five games heading into this one. Tottenham will be undoubtedly favourites for this. I think you've got to look at the way that Son's been playing his football. Kuzeski, since he's come back from injury, has been a real breath of fresh air for them. Obviously, James Madison in that midfield. He's taken the whole Tottenham team uh, by storm since his uh, transfer from Leicester City in the off-season, as well as Basuma and Saar in that midfield. So I think you've got to back Tottenham to win at least 2-0. I think they'll be too good for Palace tomorrow morning at 6am.
0: Yeah, I, I I have to agree with you on, on that one there. And then probably the big fixture, uh, uh, Monday, 2.30 a.m. out time. I know I'll be up watching. I'll have to get to work anyway uh, pretty early. But Manchester United against Manchester City. Th- this is just the creme de la creme. It's, it's the Manchester derby. I, I know a lot of people will probably be tipping Man City in this one, but I, I guess you never know in these sort of games. You
1: never know. Um, obviously, with uh, with two losses on the trot uh, and heading to last weekend's game for Man City against Brighton, a lot of eyes were on Man City, how they would respond if they would respond in a positive way or things would further go south for them. But they responded as expected with a 2-1 victory over Brighton last week, which hopefully now has restored the confidence and the morale in that dressing room, which is all they need under Pep Guardiola. I think they're definite favourites heading to this one against the An eighth place Man United team. It's it's really a team that's been struggling along all season. Yes, it has back to back wins heading into this game, so hopefully, for Man United's sake, their confidence is up and about. They'll need all the confidence they can get to face this Man City side, I believe. I just don't think defensively that they've got themselves organised well enough uh, to deal with, like, the De Bruyne, Haaland, Jack Grealish. Uh, and these type of players, there'll be ways and ways of attack that Man City will throw at them. Just simply with, with a possession that will be heavily favoured for Man City. I just think that Man United are going to struggle, and I think it could be a demolition job. Really, to be honest, it could be three or four nil. The way Man City have been uh, now peppered since their victory last week against Brighton. So I think Man City could go all the way. Uh, potentially, I think they're going to be champions this year again, and I think that'll be too good for Man United. The, the one goal that gets replayed all this week is the Wayne Rooney bicycle kick. If you remember that many, many years ago, uh, that was a, a screamer of a goal. I've seen that on the highlight reels in the lead-up to this game. So I'm very, very excited for it. I'll definitely be up in on uh, Monday morning in the early hours, mate, with yourself cheering across all of Newcastle West. So, uh, yeah, look, it'll be a big game. I'm, I'm really excited for this Manchester derby. I think Man City will win 3-4-0. or
0: No dramas there. Thank you very much, John, for, for joining us and have a, have a wonderful weekend. And, uh, yeah, enjoy your football. Well done, Charlie. You're doing a better job than the last host, mate. So uh, <laughs>
1: fantastic, mate. Enjoy it. And uh, and represent our Nova Castrians really well there, mate. So fantastic
0: stuff. And I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you very soon. Thank you very much. John Gallard there on Tradies News in a nutshell. We're going to take a quick break here. And on the, on the other side of the break, we're going to wrap up and also preview the NFL. Yes. Welcome back to Tradies News in a nutshell. I'm your host, Charles Goodsir. And we've got a text here from one of my favorites, the Kingswood welder. He says, good morning, Charles. I had to check the radio at Dallas. I thought I'd accidentally turned on a community station till I knew it was you, LOL. Well done. The whole show went to air. Eight out of 10. Have a great weekend. Kingswood Welder, you have a great weekend, mate. Thank you very much for your report this morning. It's now time for, for one of my favorite things to talk about. If you know me, I love my American football. And just a reminder that Beaumont Tiles giving away a trip for two to American footy's biggest game worth over $70,000. Just shop in store at Beaumont Tiles before November twelve, and you're in with a chance. TNCs apply. Now, we're chatting the NFL because it is Thursday night football over in America, and tonight the Tampa Bay Buccaneers they travel to New York to take on the Buffalo Bills. The Bucks currently three and three, the Bills four and three, and it's been well, it's it's been interesting. Uh, for the Bills, they're they're obviously one of the favourites. Uh, the, one of the favorites to maybe take home the Super Bowl. Um, they've sort of been in that window for the last three or four seasons. But again, they've just been sort of stuttering to, to start the season. Uh, Josh Allen, he is my uh, quarterback in fantasy. Uh, he's, he's He has sort of one amazing game and then has another shocker and then an amazing game and a shocker. So they're both coming off losses last week to divisional opponents. Uh Tampa Bay losing to Atlanta, Buffalo losing to my New England Patriots uh, last week. So, like I just said, Josh Allen is just finding a way to make a mistake each game. He's just a little bit too inconsistent sometimes. He um, he's prone to that odd pass, that interception. Uh, just I don't know. It takes sort of extends plays too long, takes sacks, uh, yards for losses, that sort of thing. So, look, hopefully he can be a little bit better for the Buffalo Bills' sake. Well, Tampa Bay. It, it, not a lot of people knew how they were going to go this season. Obviously, Tom Brady retiring. Uh, they, they didn't have the best of seasons last year. It was probably the, the, one of the worst seasons. To, it was the worst season Tom Brady had. Eight and nine finished. They uh, snuck into the playoffs on the fact that the NFC South was just a garbage uh, division in general. They snuck in, got bounced uh, by the Dallas Cowboys straight away. Baker Mayfield then comes in as the quarterback. And he's been Okay. He's been good. He's he's been competitive. He hasn't made any horrific blunders. He hasn't had any shockers. That uh, they started the season really well. They were two and zero. They've sort of tapered away a little bit. Uh, so they're they're sitting at three and three now. Last time these two teams played, uh, it was uh, Tom Brady led uh, led the Bucks to an early twenty point lead against Buffalo, and then they threw that away. And then it was twenty seven all. They uh, had to go into overtime, and then. On the first drive in overtime, uh, Tom Brady, third and six. Uh, they were deep in their own half. Throws a ball. Goes 60 yards to the house for the game-winning touchdown. Will we see something like that from Baker Mayfield uh, later today? I don't think so. I, I'm going to go the Bills in this one. I'm going to say 27-13 to against the Bucks. The, the only reason I have the Bucks at 13 points is because they, they struggle scoring. Uh, Todd Bowles, there, their head coach, he's... He's not really an offensive-minded coach. They they only put up 13 uh, points last week against the Atlanta Falcons, who, who are probably my tip to take the NFC South, let's be honest. But when you have guys like Chris Godwin and Mike Evans who, who can make big plays... I mean, Mike Evans scored a 40-yard touchdown last week, so, so they know where they can make plays, but he's just not... Something's just not really clicking there, so... That's my prediction. Uh, Buffalo to take that game 27 to 13. That's coming up later on ESPN. And I, now for the uh, for the Makita power play for the best power play, Makita XGT, uh, the professional choice for callless convenience, unmatched performance, innovation, and power without limits. I'm saying Josh Allen goes off. So I've got him 27 to 13. I'm going to say he throws at least three touchdowns and now a couple of field goals in there. Goes for at least over 300 yards. That's passing and rushing. No interceptions. And I say that as a fan and also because he's my fantasy quarterback. No interceptions. And uh, I think he'll be, be okay. Um, just looking at some of the other games, maybe the, the, the bigger games coming up later uh, in this schedule. Packers versus Vikings should be a good game. That's uh, Monday at 4 a.m. Another 4 a.m. game, the Cowboys versus the Rams. That should be good. Dolphins and Patriots. Should be interesting. Dolphins coming off pretty pretty poor loss the other day. So we'll just have to wait and see about that one. I've got the 49ers and the Bengals. Broncos and Chiefs. Jay, that's a one-sided affair if ever I've seen it. The Chargers and the Bears is the Sunday night game. And then the Lions against the Raiders is your Monday night fixture Thank you very much for joining me here on Tradeys News in a Nutshell. It's been an absolute pleasure on this Friday morning. Just recapping our main stories today. Eddie Jones looks like he's on the way out at the Wallabies. England gets smashed by Sri Lanka. Eight wickets in the end was the margin, leaving their World Cup dreams in hopes. Pacific Cup, uh, Pacific Championship in the Rugby League on this weekend. Lots of football action as well. Matilda's getting the win overnight, 2-0 up in Perth. And of course, uh, the NFL as well, today starts week eight. It is Tampa Bay taking on the Buffalo Bills. Thank you very much for joining me. I've been your host, Charles Goodser, here on Traders News in a Nutshell, right across the SEN network. Have a wonderful weekend and enjoy your sport. You're listening to SEN.